This is The Playbook. Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs The Playbook, and I have a dear friend, a mentor, but also an incredible entrepreneur, Kent Clothier. He is the CEO of Real Estate Worldwide and one of the oldest and best real estate masterminds out there called the Boardroom Mastermind Group. Welcome to The Playbook, Kent. Thanks for having me, brother. Oh my God, it's so exciting to have friends come on because I'm blessed to have these extraordinary people in my life like you um, that we get to get together, share ideas and have some true mentorship and friendship. Um, To that end, your business is truly about mentorship. Correct. To to build that and you created this mastermind before it was in vogue. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody has a mastermind now. Everyone right? has it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank God, because they asked me to like teach at them. Yeah, exactly. It's a good, it was a good revenue source. <laughs> but you were one of the OGs before everyone had one, and it was chic. What was your value that you saw in creating the boardroom mastermind group? Well, I had been I had been invited to a business mastermind, right? And uh, I'd never even heard of such a thing. Right. I, I had in a prior life had built a really successful business and an arbitrage business, right? So by the time I was 30, you know, I had done billions of dollars. And in that business, there's no way you would go and share your secrets and your best strategies with your, with your competition. That just sounded insane to me. And so when I got into real estate, uh, I was asked to be a part of a business mastermind, not, not real estate related. Um, but I just saw the exponential growth. I mean, this was 12 guys and girls got in a room, Austin, Texas, a couple of times a year. And quite frankly, you know, um, making yourself vulnerable, acting, you know, uh, kind of checking your ego at the door, really asking people for help. I found a lot of value in that. Uh, But I also found a lot of value in, you know, the wisdom that you have, that you don't even realize is inside of you. When you start pouring into somebody else, you know, that, what that does for you as an entrepreneur as well. And so when I got going uh, and really had, got my businesses to a place where they were optimized. I don't want to say they were as, as good as they were ever going to be, but they were certainly optimized and they were, they were growing. Uh, I just really felt like there was a huge void in the, in the real estate space in particular, that this is a business in particular, an industry that is very fractionalized, very splintered off. It's just filled with a bunch of hustlers. Nobody ever, everybody wants to teach them how to go flip a house. Nobody wants to tell them how to, you know, actually become wealthy and build a life and, you know, be a good human being. And so I thought it was, you know, time to put some people in a room, um, and start talking about it. And, you know, like you said, 10 years later, we've, uh, we've had a tremendous impact on a lot of different people out there in the industry, thousands of people that have come through it now, um, and helped a lot of people kind of get to a place where I think they would easily say they couldn't have gotten to without being surrounded by really, really quality people that push them, held them accountable and shared. Yeah, in that share, there's three areas that you do really well that I think have extraordinary value. And the first is mindset. And you talked about an abundant mindset that was not congruent with the rest of the industry, like sports and real estate. They're two very scarce industries, very competitive, comparable. Uh, They work within the context of a zero sum game. There's negotiation, trades, zero, you know, all types of, you know, lack or shortage, you know, that we have, but yet you have maintained this abundant mindset. One, two, you talked about the heart set that, you know, people don't share their feelings and there's a lot of feelings that can interfere with our success. No doubt. 
And then, of course, the pragmatic one that I think has always been obvious in a mastermind that we were too afraid because we didn't have the mindset and heart set to share just practical tips on what to do to make yeah. money and keep money and, you know, I mean, there's, there's good nobody, best practices, yeah, people right? Don't, you know, people don't normally talk about these things, right? But it's amazing when you get really qualified people. And it's not even, you know, to me personally, the, the tactics and the strategy are super cool. Um, but man, there are, I don't care if you've been in business five years or 55 years, the wisdom, the collective wisdom, the experience, somebody who's, I've just been fascinated over the years with people who have persevered, somebody that's gotten, you know, gotten beat up, beat down and some way, somehow figured out how to get back on top. To have somebody pour like that, pour into me or to pour into others, um, to me, I mean, I can't even think of a greater, greater asset you could give to somebody or, you know, receive from somebody. And part of it as well is relationship capital, the business development side of creating a community and your mastermind group is much more than just mindset, heart set and hand set. You've actually been able to create a community of what I call sponsors and power sponsors. People that one, have like minds, but are capable of helping or two, know somebody yep. capable of helping. How much does that play into the mastermind group that you have? You know, it's funny you say that because it, it has become increasingly more obvious over the last two or three years. I can, I can tell you, I was probably a little blinded to it for a while um, because of everything else that you, you know, just focused on different areas. But when you, you know, you get now to a place where people can solve each other's problems very quickly, right? Um, you know, your one phone call, one, one investment, one situation, you know, uh, one contact, one resource from really exploding somebody's business, right? I mean, like if I needed help on something, you know, think about how you and I do, if I need something, I pick up the phone and call you, but not everybody can pick up the phone and call Dave Meltzer. Not everybody <laughs> can pick up the phone and call Kent Clothier right. or Ed Milet or any of our other friends, right? But when that doesn't mean that there's not value in those people. It doesn't mean they don't have wisdom. It doesn't mean that the, these other people can't equally connect a lot of dots very, very quickly. And so when you start, you know, when it kind of hit me was when I actually started finding out that my mastermind members were actually flying across the country to go visit each other's offices and that they were actually raising tens of millions of dollars with each other and doing these, you know, huge apartment complexes, hundred million dollar syndications like, Oh, maybe, <laughs> maybe we've actually done something here. Right. That, right. That, that I, that I didn't realize was uh, going down. So I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's really cool to see. And I think it's really cool to experience, but uh, I have a tendency to probably undersell it. I mean, it's, it's, it is definitely one of the big benefits. And that benefit really allows you to gain an advantage in an abundant mindset. So the irony is it's counterintuitive to think by sharing our ideas, sharing our relationships, sharing our best practices is actually a competitive advantage by not being competitive. The other interesting business issue that I see is scaling mm -hmm. in real estate. Uh, it's very transactional. Mm -hmm. Some people are very good at it, mm -hmm. but they don't know how to scale a business. I had right. a guy come in here today, $40 million for the last 19, does $40 million the last 19 years in real estate, never more, never less, because it's just him. Right. He does not know how right. to scale that business. I see it as a huge issue and will be moving forward as we have an accelerated economy. No doubt. Um, whether it's up or down is your choice. I think there's different areas you can go up and go down and make money in each. But how important is that aspect 
of scaling in real estate and how does the mastermind or yourself deal yeah, I with think that you, issue? I think you hit on it perfectly. I, I, in the last probably three years, I have actually figured out kind of what my superpower is, right? Um, like I said, there's a lot of people in this industry that will teach somebody how to go and do investments or how to go and get in the industry, you know, basically how to, how to get started and create a job. And I don't care if you're making 40 grand, 400 grand, 4 million or 40 million is if the entire organization, the entire income stream depends on you doing something, you own a job, baby. You're right. You don't own a business, you own a job and that's all it is. And it might that's be a good name for a podcast, man. You own a job. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I like it. And so I, I have spent the last few years really helping people to get dialed in because there's, there's just very few people in this industry that have actually you know, built what we've built, have, have accomplished what we've accomplished. And in several seasons in my life, right. I've been able to do that. And so I kind of, I, I understand now exactly how to go and scale businesses. I understand exactly what all the levers are to pull. Uh, understand how to structure the businesses and structure the, the reporting, et cetera, and help a CEO or help a hustler, if you will, turn into a CEO. Um, because it's, it's just not the same skills. I mean, if you've been rewarded your entire life for being transactional, then clearly you naturally want to just keep doing that. I think you would agree that it is a completely different skill set to be a business leader, be a CEO, to be a leader of people. That is, that is, those two things are in direct conflict, right? Because the hustler inside of you is like, everybody get out of the way, I'll just do it, right? And the CEO is like, let me show you, let me demonstrate, let me put the infrastructure around you, how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it forever. Yeah, I, it's funny to that because I, I love the distinction between a hustler and, and a leader because the key differentiator that I see, because I was a great hustler when I was young. Yeah, well, we I, all, we all right, started there. Right, yeah. right. And, and I still have the genetic inheritance of being a hustler. Right. So I fight it. But it's patience that I now have the patience that the hustler has no patience. That's exactly right. right. It's like a dog that just wants to eat. And <laughs> as long as you get to eat every day, you're cool. But I have patience, not just within the context of my business, growing, scaling, learning, but I have patience within my own self to grow and learn. But I also have patience for the people I'm working with yeah. to allow them to develop, not expect them to know exactly what I'm saying the first time and to allow. Do you think that comes with age? I think experience. Yeah. Some people, right, can, it can take less years. Yeah. People, I, I truly, and maybe I'm a little spiritual, I believe people are old souls. So some people are born at a higher level of patience than you and I probably were. Yep. But it was absolutely experience of starting to realize, like you said, man, I have owned some of the best jobs in the world and I just got tired of it. Yeah. And I had to ask for help through masterminds, through mentorship, saying, hey, you know, I know you're a great salesman in your 20s and you made millions of dollars like me in my 30s, but how have you, you know, transitioned or transformed and, you know, took all these people like you and said, how did you do it? And that's why your mastermind's so valuable. And also one of the other things that's valuable that you weren't as early in, and I thought I, I was late to the game five years ago, and that's podcasting. Yeah. And your podcast, I love the name, right? Time is now. Yep. Um, because I study time every day. Right. I, I do. I, it, I'm a freak about physics, metaphysics, quantum physics, relative to the reconciliation of time, past, present, and future. So 
your podcast, The Time Is Now, is so uh, poignant in my life, but also so valuable to so many people. Now, five years ago, I told Gary Vee, dude, I'm too late. There's 200,000 podcasts. Now, you started your podcast. What was the reasoning and the value of starting your podcast? Because you obviously didn't need to, like I right. didn't need to. Right. But I can't think of a more valuable tool, platform, and self-gratifying. This right here is right. like heaven on earth to nope. sit at so no five, <laughs> talk to my buddy on a podcast, and then empower millions of people well, who that's are going to see that. That's exactly why, right there, is that I think that there's a lot of power in sharing the message. I think that, I think that for me personally, I have... I have realized the fulfillment that it gives me. You know, I, 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 there's, I get asked a lot like, hey, you know, Kent, you've, you've gotten to a certain point. Why do you keep doing what you're doing? Which is a variation of this. And the reality of it is, is man, I, I, I want, it matters to me that my little girls see me struggling, building, making things happen, trying to create impact in the world. You know, I, I think about it every day, relationship to time. Um, I'm fascinated by, you know, I've had some friends, I'm at an age where, you know, some friends have passed over the last few years and there's, and there's uh, a handful of them. I got on a plane and flew to go pay my respects. And then there's some I didn't. And I always found that fascinating mentally because I was like, why, why would I feel so strongly that I had to go get on a plane to somebody? And it kind of just, the, that thought really hit with me that, man, I want to matter so much to somebody that I don't even know that they feel so compelled to get on a plane fly out to San Diego, my two little girls sitting there on the front row next to my casket and walk up and say, I just, it's important to me that you know that your dad mattered. And so whether that's through social media, whether that is through, you know, all the different programs we put out there, podcasts, whatever it is, look, man, I think there's just a lot of people out there that if you could be the one voice that helped them unlock their potential, I just think that's a cool thing to try to be a part of. And to me, that's just kind of the way I'm wired at this point in my life. I wasn't always that way, but I can tell you that's the way I'm wired now is that I want, I want to know that somebody actually, and I'm sure you get the same thing, but you know, whether it's a comment on a social media post or an email, random, whatever, but somebody like, Hey man, I just want to let you know, I've been listening to you for years. I've been watching you for years. They've never transacted with me, but man, that, you know, we mattered to those people. And to me, that's a, that's a cool legacy. And it's, easier to have that legacy in real estate. I think coming from being a lawyer, being a real estate investor, a big failure in real estate investor, and now a successful real estate investor. In fact, I make more money from real estate than any other business that I'm in. And most people don't even realize I'm in the that. business of real estate. Um, and it's because I study it. And most people don't know real estate, right? From the beginning of the United States, all of our laws are based on one thing, protecting the landowner. Yep. So. If the laws are to your advantage, you already have a huge economic advantage. No doubt. If you know what to do with it. I didn't, I had over a hundred million dollars in real estate, but didn't realize what I had. Right. And, you know, people like you, that's why your legacy is going to be so great is you don't even realize that I listen to you. Right. Right. Because I, people ask me, how do you lose over a hundred million dollars? I say, well, don't ask anyone for help and don't listen to anybody else and think you can do it yourself. Yeah. That's a guaranteed way to, yeah. I don't care what, but especially in real estate. Whatever dollar amount it is. You're that's done. a great that way to go done, down. Right. And for you, this is a poignant time in real estate, meaning that we in our age group, we know what's going to happen. We've mm -hmm. been here before. Yep. Things are accelerated and we know that as well. Yep. And so we also know that the real opportunities lie in the acceleration of economy. Either things are overbought 
or oversold. And we are about to go into a period of time where things are gonna be overbought and oversold. Mm -hmm. And there's margins of millionaires and billionaires that are gonna be made. No doubt. What are some of the big lessons, speaking of building our legacy, that we can share with my community to look out for in an accelerated economy, whether it's overbought or oversold, I, you don't even have to predict it for me. Right. But if you get into a situation where you see something's overbought or oversold, how can we take advantage of that in real estate? Well, I think that, that probably the best piece of advice I could give for anybody as it relates specifically to real estate is, is get out of the headlines, right? Um, <laughs> understand that it's a market just like anything else. Um, and, and that people make money when the market's moving in any direction. Smart investors make money when it's moving in any direction. They understand how to make money when it's moving down or up or not moving at all. And do not kid yourself. There is going to be, as you just alluded to, millionaires and billionaires created out of this settling of the score, if you will, in real estate. So the real estate markets had a big run up over the last couple of years, outrageous run up, uh, let's call it what it is. It's settling back down into something that feels a little bit more, more normal. There's a lot of people out there that got a little overzealous, uh, did not le learn any lessons from the last Great Recession, got over their skis a little bit, and they're going to pay a heavy price. Now, not everybody's going to feel that, right? For every one of those stories, there's 10 or 20 guys and girls out here who are moving in and understand how to actually make money in those markets. And the way you make money in those markets is you don't play in retail. Um, the best advice I can give anybody is remember one thing that is consistent and that is crisis never takes a day off. Crisis never, uh, cares what market we're in. There is always somebody looking to sell because they have some stressful situation happening in their life. Divorce, bankruptcy, foreclosure, loss of job. I mean, those, those things happen Death. every day. Death, right? Last time I checked, nobody gets out alive. Yep. Uh, and so those create situations in people's lives, in business people's lives, in you know employees' lives, that I need to get rid of this asset, and I need a quick solution. And and it doesn't matter if it's commercial, residential, retail, doesn't matter. When people get into those situations, you putting yourself in a situation where you're or in a position to where you can help by understanding how to put creative deals together, how by you know, aligning yourself with guys like myself and yourself that kind of are on the front lines of some of those conversations and getting into syndications and deals with guys like that. Um, that's where all the money's made. Nobody's making, you know, becoming a billionaire by paying top dollar for something and just hoping, right? Hope is not a strategy. Um, <laughs> they, they're trying to buy some piece of distressed real estate and turn it into something amazing. We're sitting at a perfect example of this, right? Yep. This was, you know, a, a blemish in the mar in, in the LA market right here. This entire blemish neighborhood. Yeah, and you know, Sam Kroenke's turned this into a palace, right? And he didn't do that by paying top dollar for this land, right? I mean, he did it by buying it at a discount and turning it into an asset. And so that's how real estate actually works if you wanna get really wealthy at it. You don't get wealthy at it by uh, getting caught up in all the headlines, by getting caught up in all the, the, you know, it's, it's very equivalent to any other market. There's a lot of people that got hurt in crypto. A lot of people got hurt in the stock market recently. And all the people that got hurt were the people that were the, what we call the also rants, you know, me too. So right? like they're running in, yeah, yeah, I want to grab as it's, as it's going up or all the way at the top. And then when the bottom falls out, all the smart guys shorted stock or shorted the asset and they're making, I got all their money out and 
the little guy got, got crushed. Don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. I mean, just this is no different than anything else. If you want to become great at it, you have to educate yourself and surround yourself with people that understand exactly how the game is played and will help you play it better. Yeah, the lessons I've learned from you, and we finished off with that, that really changed my perspective and helped me over the last 10 years uh, being from San Diego and you not knowing who I was 10 years ago, which is why I was so excited to meet you through the right people. I knew I was at the right frequency when I got to meet you and you became a friend, was one that real estate's an asset. I remember you you said that years ago, I forget where I saw you and you said, real, don't forget real estate's an asset, all assets, you make money by buying low and selling high. Yeah. And then you said, and there's another facet of assets that you have to learn, which is the most profitable and easiest way to make money on an asset is to be able to borrow against it tax-free. No doubt. <laughs> and, and here I was sitting, you know, four years out of bankruptcy, I just made some money back, you know, and I'm sitting here going, why didn't I think of that? And the reason I didn't was exactly what you said. You need mentors like Kent Clothier. You need to listen to his podcast. You need to join the mastermind. You need to find people who have paid the dummy tax. My greatest experience is my dummy tax. Why can no I doubt. make money myself and help other people? Because I've already paid the dummy tax. It's not that I'm a genius. They didn't teach me in law school or business school or my straight A's when I was in college. None of that helped me at all. It was me paying the dummy tax and I could have skipped that you know, whole chapter by finding people who already paid it themselves. So go ahead, reach out, find us, find Kent in particular when it comes to real estate. He's already paid the dummy tax. Learn from other people who paid theirs like myself and others. An incredible time. Please, everybody reach out to the real estate worldwide or of course the Boardroom Mastermind Group. Check out the podcast, The Time Is Now. My friend, my mentor, an incredible legacy already created. I don't have to sit in front of your little girls or you don't have to sit in front of mine. You're changing lives, my brother. The incredible Kent Clothier. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs, The Playbook.